Today's episode is episode 179 of Unconventional Humans Podcast. Today's episode is called Psychoastrology. Today I'm joined by Lisa Tahir. Lisa is a therapist. She's the author of the book The Chiron Effect and she is a podcast host, podcast host of All Things Therapy. So on today's podcast, we cover a lot of ground. We talk about meditation, self-forgiveness, spirituality. We also talk about Chiron and astrology. It's interesting how Lisa, how she went about exploring astrology. I think it was through a meditation session that she, that the word Chiron came to her. So it's interesting, Chiron is like an archetype of the wounded healer, Carl Jung, something I want to look into a bit more in, in the archetype of the wounded healer. So I enjoy talking to Lisa, she's enjoyed the conversation, just the questions she asked me, helped me to uncover things for myself that I didn't ask myself potentially. So I enjoyed talking to her, she's a curious person, and uh, yeah, I know you'll enjoy this episode too. So thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Okay, so thanks for joining us today, Lisa. Dennis, thank you for having me today on Unconventional Humans. I'm really delighted to be with you and our listeners. My pleasure. So yeah, I guess we start off with uh, psychoastrology. It's a new term for me. Could you explain a little bit about it? Sure. It's a new term for me as well. To be honest, I've been a therapist for over 20 years. So psychology has been kind of my comfortable wheelhouse. And in the last few years, I was led to explore astrology, specifically something called Chiron, C-H-I-R-O-N, which is a minor planet slash comet as designated in astronomy, which is found in your birth chart to identify like your main area of where you feel vulnerable, where even there could be wounds that inhibit or obstruct you from feeling the happiest that you can be. Why were you drawn to astrology in the last few years? What, what, um, what, what kind of drew you to it? You know, that's an interesting question, Dennis, because it quite took me by surprise. It was about four and a half years ago that I was just sitting here in my apartment in Los Angeles, kind of wondering like what, you know, as therapists, we're so taught and led to help people explore the, the difficult and challenging things in their life. I've been in therapy for most of my life as well as being a therapist. And I started to feel some frustration with like, okay, like we're so familiar with what's hurt us, what's inhibited us. What about the new story of who we want to be, the life we want to live, the relationships we want to experience and kind of like asking the universe, like, what is beyond this that I can contribute? And I literally heard in meditation the word Chiron, C-H-I-R-O-N. I didn't know what that was besides a reference from graduate school having to do with Carl Jung writing about the collective unconscious and this wounded healer archetype named mm -hmm. Chiron. And it really didn't mean anything to me, Dennis, like, but the universe, like I, like many of you might might feel, might have experienced, something gets kind of like under your skin. And it's like life is like prodding you to like, look at this, look at this. And I felt this continued kind of like 
go look at Chiron, you know, and, and like to the point where it almost took me out of my seat to start Googling. And I learned that Chiron in astronomy, like I mentioned, is a minor planet and comet designation discovered in 1977 by a Charles Cowell with a K. And Charles Cowell named this heavenly body Chiron after the centaur named Chiron in Greek mythology, which I didn't know about. And Chiron was the founding father of the healing arts, of pharmacy, of medicine even. And when you go to the doctor's office and you see that staff with the two snakes intertwined, that's the staff of Asclepius given to him by Chiron. So again, I thought that was pretty cool. But it didn't reveal to me anything life-changing until I was led to Chiron in astrology, in your birth chart, illuminating one of what I discovered to be 12 areas of core wounding and vulnerability. Things like a core wounding in your sense of value and worth. You might be outwardly successful, but inwardly you feel like it's never enough and you're on that hamster wheel of pursuing outward success, thinking that's going to bring you fulfillment within, but it doesn't for longer than just fleeting periods of time. And so that's when I started to write and research for three and a half years and, and present the book that you have. Actually, Chiron, the, the, so it ties into the wounded healer archetype of Carly Young. I yes. didn't know that. Yeah. Absolutely. You remember that from it? You come across the wounded healer before Chiron? Was it? Oh, I mean, literally just 20 years ago in grad school, I vaguely remember a professor talking about that. So it didn't, you know, and and for those of you listening, I sense there might be someone on the verge of doing something new and it might come to you in a disguised way where it's not ringing a bell. Like for me, Chiron didn't ring a bell until Mm. I felt prodded to research it more deeply. So for you listening, I encourage you to just really turn over every rock of your curiosity because it's how you're led to something that actually does light you up and excite you. And that's what I found in this journey. And when did you realize you were, you were needing to write a book about Chiron from the moment you got it from that meditation? When did it thought on you that you needed to write a book about it? You know, Dennis, it really just unfolded step by step. I didn't think I was going to write a book about this at all, but the more that I was led to research and the more insights I had and the more connections I made to psychological principles, like in 1917, uh, Sigmund Freud talked about and coined the repetition compulsion. And it's been a major theme in psychotherapy where our, our patterns of relationship that we learn from our primary caretakers kind of becomes like a template, a cookie cutter of what we expect to experience. And it's based upon kind of this core woundedness that like the ways we were not seen or heard imprint what we expect to experience. And then I saw that object relationists also spoke about this and relationship patterns or schemas are formed in childhood and create this pattern that we have that we, I discovered that we orbit people, places, and things based on what we believe to be true. And I coined the Chiron effect, meaning that we can only go as far as our biggest limiting belief 
and that's kind of a mind twister when you think about it. Like the biggest limiting belief is as high or as far as we can go. And once we identify that and start to work with it, play with it to go beyond, to heal the part of ourselves that might feel shame around certain things we've done or thoughts that we've had, you know, when we start to heal these areas of vulnerability, we become really unstoppable to achieve anything and everything we want because our beliefs aren't limiting us. And I wonder what you think about that. Yeah. Like it's the core wounding. It's, uh, it's, I would feel that it's the core wounds you're unaware of that create the patterns in your life, the schemas in your life. And it's from, I think it's, feeling into the core wounding yeah realizing what it is what what i get it more in intuitive intuitions after feeling things of an uncomfortable feeling sure and that will give me insight around a certain behavior i've had which would have been the pattern and the pattern certain pattern or thinking they would have had i love what you're saying because it is through our intuition and i hear you talking about the wisdom of your body really letting you know through your emotions you know some there's something to look at here. And I encourage people in my book to really listen to your body. It's like a tuning fork, you know, drawing you, attracting you to certain people, places, and things, and actually feeling like, oh, like I don't want to go there. So really honor that within yourself. And like I heard you say, Dennis, ask some questions. What does this really mean for me? Yeah. So were you doing that before you discovered Chiron, where you're tuning with the body or did, what did this give you that you didn't get from the psychological schools of thought that you were studying before? I feel like, yeah, that's a great question, Dennis. I feel like it all was a natural progression of my journey and curiosity into psychological and spiritual truths, combining the metaphysical with the psychological. And that's where I came up with psychoastrology, where our personal psychology meets our birth chart, our natal astrology. And for me, it's Chiron. I'm not an astrologer by trade. I'm a therapist. Yet I really made it my business to deeply understand this Chiron placement because it is such a psychological placement. It's literally the things about ourselves that, that you feel like you might need to hide from others. When you meet somebody new, you know, we usually share like the, the really positive aspects of ourselves, but we all might feel embarrassed about something. And Chiron really wants us to look at those parts of ourselves with love, with empathy, with compassion, through forgiveness, instead of continuing to judge yourself, to really pause and start to love yourself, start to understand maybe why you did those things or didn't do those things. And life will always give you another opportunity to try again. So it's really feeling into that optimistic place of there's, there's more for me. Like it's never too late, regardless of your age or your income or whatever you perceive to be a limitation. Like there's always a way through, I think. And I wonder what you think about that, Dennis. Yeah, I think there's always a way through. It's a struggle, though. It's, at times, I think, like we were talking there about feeling, I think you have to feel, I think it's about integration. So you're feeling a wide range of emotions and some of them yeah. are more difficult than others. And on my pad, I've, I found it, well, I was going to ask you this next, but I found what worked for me best is to take on different schools of thoughts, but ultimately to pay attention to my intuition, my gut feeling, mm-hmm. and let that guide and make sense of all the different thoughts that are out there. And uh 
that way it just connects me more with my own language, my own feeling rather than being a mouthpiece for something I don't really understand what I'm talking about. That's so well said. And in the very beginning of my book, I talk about how it's obvious when you read my work, I'm a believer in psychology and spirituality and taking personal responsibility. And I invite you to apply your own paradigm, your own belief system, because some of you, you know, spirituality might be found in nature or through science. And like, that's just as legitimate as what I believe and have found to be true. So I definitely validate and agree. It's, you know, really making this work something that you believe that you can grasp onto and make sense of at the end of the day in your own mind, in your own heart. And there's so many different ways to do that. There's so many ways as we are individuals. And so I love what you're saying. It really is about finding your own expression and language for these things. Yeah. The, I think the embodiment of it. Yeah. And the embodiment. So the, for you, how, how have you worked on self-forgiveness? I found that Again, it's a very visceral feeling I feel when I've actually forgiven myself or something and I've moved on. Yeah. You know, I talk about that in one of the chapters that I discovered forgiveness to be a progressive action process that I think there's, you know, when there's small things that we encounter, it's like, oh, I can forgive that. I understand the, the easy things. But I think the deeper traumas of life that some of you might have experienced that are multi-layered and repetitive, even it, it's like a deeper process of forgiveness. And we tend to think, it's about forgiving others. And that's certainly a part of the equation. Yet I think the most important place to start is with yourself and the things that you've harbored against yourself. Again, the judgments and criticisms that we speak to ourselves in between our own ears and our minds, thinking that's going to make us better, stronger. And it, you know, fear-based judgments might temporarily get you somewhere, but it's not sustainable and you don't really feel happy at the end of that, you feel like, oh, I avoided that consequence or like, oh, I'm safe for now. But it's not promoting that lifelong change that really excites you to wake up and like, you know, what can I do today? Who do I want to be today? Knowing you don't have to reach these benchmarks of more and more stuff you don't want to do, like really feeling into who am I? What do I want to do? And, and learning for that to be enough. And I wonder if that's making sense or speaking to your question at all. No, it doesn't make sense for me. I suppose it's that it's that balancing of act of, I suppose, evolving and growing as a person and then more on a spiritual level, realizing that you're enough. That's the, the balancing act I try and be conscious of. I'm wondering, were you always a spiritual person? Were you always connected with that sense of the inner world or was that something that came on later in life? You know, when I look back, Dennis, I, I think I always have been, but it, it wasn't conscious until recent years. I've always been a very curious person, even from being a child, just wanting to know like why things are, like what makes this so, just, you know, looking at things on the surface, but knowing there's more going on underneath the surface. And so curious about those deeper layers of meaning. And that's what led me to becoming a therapist. I entered therapy at age 21 to figure myself out. And that led me to really love the process of self-discovery and learning about how our minds, like every, we really do make sense in the context of our life experiences and to take some time out in your life to, to give yourself that time to walk yourself through some of your memories. I do that in my book. I walk you through uh, some journal 
prompts of reflecting back on your early memories of feeling loved and your early memories of not feeling loved when maybe you needed more and didn't get it. And then the meaning you started to make about yourself around that, like, am I asking for too much? Am I too much? Or uh, am I not good enough? Am I unworthy or undeserving? And so I feel like in recent years, that's led me directly to some spiritual texts, like A Course in Miracles, like meditation, the practice of meditation to really quiet my mind and notice what comes up. And Dennis, are you, are you a meditator? How do you kind of seek and go within? I, I kind of fluctuate. Like at the moment now I'd wake up in the morning, I'd probably spend 20 minutes just sitting down, observing, yeah. but I actually like just feel what's going on in my body now more so than before I used to try and um, quiet my mind. But now I think I just really feel what I'm feeling and that's what I pay attention to because that's what I want my focus to be more on during the day. Because when I get triggered and stuff, I want to be more aware of that rather than acting out of that triggering pattern. So that's I love that. I love that. Meditation. I do. I meditate. It's the first thing I do in the morning is I'll pour my cup of coffee when the alarm goes off black coffee and I sit and uh, close my eyes. And for the, I've learned to, for the first few minutes of the day, just sit in that silence and like breathe and say thank you and just be open to like, this is really a new day. This is really a new beginning and trying not to carry over yesterday into right now, like really believing and feeling into a space of a fresh start. And from there, I might listen to a guided meditation um, or just continue to sit in that silence and send love throughout my day to every meeting I'll have, everyone I'll encounter, just for it to go well for the universe, for universal mind and my mind to align, to create, to experience the very best of today. And, um, you know, just really set that clear intention. Yeah, the intentions. Well, when did you start connecting to, you're talking there about sending out energy. When did you start really connecting with that? That that's something you can do. You know, I feel like that's been a conscious effort for me. I've, I was born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana, which I, I still live there part-time. I love it. And then I also live part-time in Los Angeles, California. And I studied here in Los Angeles. I studied Reiki healing, which is a Japanese relaxation technique. I took some intuitive development classes with psychic mediums. I took some crystal healing classes. So I just became curious, like, what is all this stuff here? These different modalities and techniques. And I'll listen to online seminars and YouTube is a great resource to learn about new things. So I feel like again, as that naturally curious person, just being really open to explore what else is there beyond what we see and feel and touch. Quantum physics tells mm. us that this, this world that looks like it's real, that's solid, isn't at all. It's vibrating and it's tr in tra transient motion and we can affect it by our thoughts, which carry frequency and we can affect outcomes. And I find that to be so exciting that we really do get to mold our life with the energy of our thoughts and our belief system. So I've made it my business to really study things like the master key system by Charles Hanel, Ernest Holmes, who wrote The Science of Mind, like there are these people that have written about how we can actually learn to harness the laws of the universe to serve us and make life easier. Do you ever get to a stage where you were overwhelmed by the amount of stuff there is to learn or were you just always curious about there's, there's always more to learn? 
you know, I think it is kind of like an, like a humbling, like, oh my gosh, there's so much more to learn than what I know. Mm -hmm. And I kind of settle that within myself, but you know what? I'm on my path and we don't have to learn everything now to really trust that what you're interested in, what you're, what's brought to you is what's meant for you right now. And like life really loves you. Life really wants us to be successful. So we're going to have, you know, it'll be brought to us in this easy kind of trusting, you know, like we're really held more than we know and to start feeling into that place of the world being safe for us rather than against us. And it's a really different mindset than what you see out here. You know, you got to go get it and people and things are against you. It's like a whole different paradigm to live from, to soften, you know, into what if life is actually here to serve me, to help me? Like what if, and kind of go down those rabbit holes of thought and see where it leads you. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think ultimately I'm curious and I keep progressing with things. But then I suppose where I find challenging is the, I think there's many paradoxes in the mind that some things can be effortless, other times it's effortful. And sometimes I find that sometimes it's like, uh, I've had, I'm finding that the more I get out of my head thinking wise, yeah. the more I tune myself. And it might necessarily be that I'm, I'm, feeling great all the time sometimes i'm actually challenged because i'm feeling way down i'm feeling a bit sometimes i feel like there's uh that me doing all this activity to try and be successful is actually stopping me from being authentic i'm actually trying to avoid myself right and sometimes that happens so so then i have to like feel that more and then i find the judgment that society gives you about feeling down in yourself can kind of creep in a bit Whereas I, I know from experience that if I leave myself feel that without judgment, it will help me. So I find that challenging sometimes. You know what shadow work. Yeah, it's so well said what you just articulated. And for me, I feel like on a daily basis, I'm in and out of those peaks and valleys, so to speak, of awareness and then feeling maybe some struggle. And then it's like, oh, Lisa, just soften that judgment. Like you're doing great. And remembering to come back to approving of myself, softening the expectation, softening the comparison. You know, I think that's kind of like a daily, um, a daily practice as we're out in the world, we're on social media, we're engaging with others, we're in the grocery, talking to our families, our friends, hearing other stories. It's like we're, um, you know, like there's so much coming at us and so much emitting from us. I try to be aware of what am I emitting and try to make that vibration as pure and loving and like open and positive as I can, you know, knowing that I'm a human and very sensitive. And so allowing myself to feel, like you said, whatever emotions come up and just knowing we don't have to act on everything, just letting things pass like a cloud in the sky, letting it pass through your body, through your mind, through your experience, through your life, Mm -hmm. just kind of, I've been a really big place of observing. I feel like I'm kind of sitting back from social media engagement and posting and just kind of in this place of just like, watching, you know, it like observing and just kind of taking it all in and uh, just being comfortable with that. You don't always have to take action. I think, I think, I think sometimes I feel fatigued by just this taking action for the sake of taking action. Yeah. And uh, I try and get curious, but I, oh no, I just try and pay attention to there's actually a feeling underneath that that I think I'm avoiding. And I what do you think you're I, avoiding? 
Uh, well, sometimes I feel like I, I, I possibly tie into the narratives of success a little too much. Like okay. if this grows or if I do this, then uh, it's not that I feel happier in myself. It, I think it, I think it, it's actually that I think I might be able to be more authentic by the conditions changing rather than I think if I actually feel what's going on for me more consistently, I'll probably be more authentic. I think that's been my experience so far that is when I'm trying to avoid emotions or if I'm just uncomfortable with an emotion, I don't want it. Like I don't really want to feel heavy or I don't want to feel a bit down. Yeah. It's that resistance to feeling down or feeling heavy. I think that actually causes me not to be myself more often. It's that because I'm judging myself for right for being that person. I think it's something you can be picked up from society too. Just this messaging that people who are depressed stay away from them because they have negative energy. That's kind of the thing I think that can come up there. So I find that challenging. But uh, I found that the more I'm actually not judging myself for being for feeling that rather than trying to avoid it, the more I actually feel myself. I think it's a shadow work. It's the different aspects of yourself that you judge aren't worthy that you can't bring into the light that you're helping to bring into the light. Absolutely. And that's what actually the Chiron placement in your birth chart really speaks to are these parts of ourselves, again, that we hide or edit. You can call it the shadow. You can call it the parts of yourself you're not proud of or or such. But it's really about looking at those parts of yourself with with love and like curiosity and really wanting to understand and learn from those parts of yourself. And, and I specifically articulate 12 areas of our life that we can look at and heal. And I give practical takeaway steps along with affirmations to start to start believing in some new ways, like setting some new train tracks, so to speak, in your mind to like help you direct your mind, place it where you want it to go, place your mind in the direction of what you want to believe to be true and start to create that energy in your life that that will manifest in this physical reality. You found affirmations good over the years? You know, I do. And I've learned the biggest key to affirmations is they have to be believable for mm. you. And affirmation doesn't work if it's something so out of reach from where you are. So I like le- using bridge statements, like say an affirmation, a big one that we see, I am rich. Well, if you're not feeling rich, that is never going to work for you. So a more appropriate affirmation is like, I want to believe that I can pay my bills. I want to believe I can be rich one day. I want to believe I can have enough, like something that's softened, that feels authentic. Like I want to believe I can even make a little more money than what I am. You know, like mm. those gentle bridge statements that you're like, oh yeah, like that's, yes, that works for me. And from there you expand. Once you start to see that happening in your life, you can create like a, a bigger affirmation for yourself. What do I you like think about steps. that? No, yeah. that makes sense. It's baby steps. It's uh, it's not falling into the realm of trying to fool yourself and deceive yourself. I think there's more damage than good that comes from that, no matter how good affirmation is. I yeah. think if you say things, you know, again, word things in your own way that actually feels right for you right now, that's maybe 1% better than yesterday. And just keep building like that. I do. And I think even redefining some of the words and our affirmations, like I'll go with the word rich that I just put out here. Rich mm. can be so many different things. 
in addition to money, it can be like the view from your window where you live. It can be the walk in the park that you can take down the street from your apartment. Like being rich can be so many things where you just feel like, oh, like this is good. So I think to even expand your definition on some of the words that we are affirming and seeking to enhance in our lives, like finding the nuances of, of those words in our experiences that are already here. Like I have a rich experience petting my cat next to me. She's so soft and sweet. Like that's a rich experience. It soothes my body to pet her. So looking for those little ways, like that is an affirmation. And that's good. Yeah. Expanding the definitions of these words that you can otherwise just assume to be one specific meaning. And it's bringing you to the present moment because you can grateful for the things you have right now. Yes, Dennis. So that's good. Yeah. I like that. And that's good enough. You know, you don't have to reach so far beyond yourself that you're stressed out. It's like zoom it back in instead of zooming out, you know, zoom in to like, like you're saying right now and what is present. I think the more you have this perspective, the more you're taking right action, I think, rather than yeah. mindless action. Like I was talking about, you can fall, I could fall into the pattern. I think as I'm going forward, it's decreasing gradually. Yeah. That kind of mindless action for the sake of taking action because I want to get to a place that is illusionary rather than doing this stuff, taking action at the same time and not just sitting back and saying my life is great. Take action will be more, I think, aligned with yourself and be more of the right action, I guess the Buddhists would say. Yeah. And, you know, right now I'm just trying to have the best day I can have right now, like really putting myself in this moment. Like it's enough. What I have is enough where I am, like just really enjoying what is and like soothing myself with that. And I think that might help someone listening. We tend to always be reaching and that's fine as long as it feels good. But when it starts to feel stressful or stress you out or worry some, it's like, come back to right here and enjoy what you've already created. What you're living right now was once a dream, you know? And so like even having some appreciation of that. Yeah. For therapy there, actually, what has that given you that you didn't expect it would give you in terms of, I guess, relationships or how has your life changed in a way you mightn't have expected when you started therapy? Oh, that's a- that's a great question. I, I love therapy. I love the process of therapy. It's like questioning and answering. It's a dialogue. And I feel like there's a lot of connection uh, because of the skills I've learned as being a therapist to like listen with my eyes open, my ears open, my body open, like really listening with all of me and asking questions that I really care to know. And sometimes it's easier for me to do that in a therapy relationship than with a friend or loved one. Cause in therapy, you know, the person's coming to me cause they want this. And sometimes I feel a little like, ah, oh, you know, do I ask as deep of a question with a personal loved one as I would in therapy? And so that's some, an area where sometimes I'm not sure of the boundary and I'm learning to maybe just check it out. But I think when you ask a question that you really care about hearing the answer with love, you know, somebody's going to feel that and so those are some of the things I've learned from being a therapist, how to listen really well and ask good questions. That ties over to podcasting. How did you get into podcasting? Why was that a desire? You know, Dennis, when I, when I came to Los Angeles seven years ago, I had a couple of friends with podcasts and I had never even thought of it, but it made them so happy. And I saw them like putting out like you are, you know, putting out this show every week or however often. And I was like, I want to do that. And in equal proportion, I was kind of terrified and anxious. Like I can't do that. But I started to Google like 
how to do a podcast. And again, Google is such a wonderful resource if you're curious about something and not sure how to do it to just get the juices flowing. And I discovered LA Talk Radio and I really found like that was a resonance for me. So I don't have to do it all by myself. You know, having the support of a studio was was important for me. And it's been five and a half years and 260 episodes. And I feel like I learn every week something new from everyone I interview or when I do a solo show and put myself out there, you know, like it's always a growth process. Yeah. With the solo shows, how do you, like, what are you, what are you getting from the solo shows that you, that you might have expected to be getting from the solo shows? Oh gosh, Dennis, for me, there are a lot more, uh, anxiety producing the one I, I love having a guest that's easy for me because I can focus on you. We can talk about what you do. I can throw in my two cents. But when I do those live solo shows that I've been pushing myself to do in the last six months, I feel just so like, ah, like exposed, you know, when sometimes it's like working against that. Well, who am I to take 25 minutes to share this stuff? But who am I not to? And you as well. Like we all have valuable things to say. So turn on your camera, record it, go live, you know, share your thoughts with people because it's important that we share our thoughts and our beliefs and our experiences. They can really help someone that we don't know or that we do know, you know, so just take that risk. And I'm trusting that it's going to be meaningful. I always feel better because I'm like, oh my God, I did something that scared the shit out of me, but it was really exciting. So how for you being a podcaster? Yeah, I, I'm doing a lot more solo episodes now in the last year or two. When I started off, it was just interviews because I was afraid of voicing my own thoughts and stuff and things. I used to have a visceral reaction to it. I used to actually feel my body clench up and I'd be on the spot and I'd, I'd notice all the thoughts that be going through my head about how I'm being perceived and stuff. So for me, it was really a way of getting over that self-consciousness and it becoming a medium of self-expression. And so like a lot of the beliefs I would have had starting off, they're not there anymore now when I'm speaking. Mm-hmm. So for me, I saw it as... as medium like that to do more podcast episodes and it ties into my writing now i've realized that sometimes i'll speak about things in an episode that i'm writing about in a book and it's just another medium to put it is something you know are you more comfortable writing or speaking or both would you say uh speaking about i think it's nearly both at this stage I, i find speaking more of a release it's like a visceral release yeah in my body and then i find writing is a way for me to i suppose you get more time to reflect on what you're saying because when you're speaking i just kind of go in the moment and speak uh so they're two different mediums with two different types of benefits it's funny because i studied a master's in translation and translating and interpretation was the same type of dynamic where you have more time to translate and in interpretation you're in the more in the moment mm-hmm. uh, oh that's interesting yeah well, that's where I, I think that's when I started getting into psychology. I started translating a bit of Freud in uh, oh, cool. my master's. Yeah. And got into it then. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how about you for writing and, and uh, speaking? Do you have a pre- preference? You know, I really love both at different times. I love this, like what we're doing, this conversation where it's like unscripted and who knows what's going to come up and just kind of letting it flow, you know, whatever insights and awarenesses are happening right now. Like this makes me the most happy. And then I really did enjoy, like I learned to enjoy writing my book and really taking the years to research and distill and present. It it took a lot. Like it was one of the 
most challenging things I've ever done, but also the most gratifying. Because when I read it, I'm like, oh my gosh, sometimes I'm like, where did that come from? Like you wrote that, but it was such like a personal, like I just wanted to give my best and I know that I did and I feel so proud. So any of you who are contemplating writing a book, just start. For me, it took three and a half, almost four years. Like time is elapsing anyway. So just, just do it. And over time, you're going to know when it's like, okay, this is as good as I can get it. And I had the help of editors that I hired to with grammar and because I tend to write like I speak. So it's not always grammatically correct. So I hired that help to, you know, be more proper in my grammar. And so there's people that can help you too to articulate what you want to say and get it to where you feel like, you know, you're ready to present it. I think writing like you speak, I think that has made writing more enjoyable for me. Yeah, I see it as more of a medium for self-expression than, and then what was the other thing I was going to say to you there? Ah. I don't know, something came up. Oh, it was, uh, I think like with writing, it's kind of like making the unconscious conscious in your own mind. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff you would have, like you're distilling information that you picked up on over the years. But I think if you don't put the time and effort into consciously, either writing it or speaking it or, or something, I think it can just be a model there where you don't really know how you fully feel on something. I, that's what I found in my first book was that up until I wrote the book, I had nice ideas, I understood stuff, my life had improved, but I hadn't consciously took, taken the time to distill all the information, put it into my own words and see what where it's needed as true for me. After that, yeah. then I moved on and I was like, I know where I stand with that now on to the next thing. But yeah. I kind of felt like I was stuck in a way until I started writing. I hear you. So for you, it really helps you unblock and really move through and identify what you think and feel and, and then give put me, it out. Give me my own voice. So it's like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not just a person who's espousing some school of thought and something. I'm yeah. sifting through all the stuff I know. Sifting, yeah. Through my own experiences and then putting that into words. And so it's my own experience. That's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that can be good. Yeah. Well, yeah, is there anything else you'd like to cover now? Sure. You know, I'd love for for our listeners, if they want to check out more about what we've talked about from my end of things, I'd love for you to follow me and we could connect on social media. I'm at NOLA Therapy on Facebook and Instagram, and it's the abbreviation for New Orleans, Los Angeles Therapy, N-O-L-A-T-H-E-R-A-P-Y. That's also my website, nolatherapy.com. And my book is available uh, worldwide. It's being translated into Chinese in 2022. So I'm really excited for you to have it and check it out and then let me know what you think. What's it like reading it in other languages or seeing it in other languages? Or- you know, it's not out yet. I'll, I'll get the copy uh, the beginning of 2022. They're going to send me the Chinese publisher. So I don't know yet. I, I can't wait to see what that nice. feels like, Dennis. Yeah. It's like, is, wow. Is it translated in other languages already? So far, just Chinese and English. Okay. But I intend for it to be in, in every language, it's as many languages as people want to receive this information. Yeah. That'd be cool experiencing, experiencing it in Chinese. So there, Thank is there, you. Is there any important message you want to say to the listeners before we leave it today? Anything they want, you'd like to get across? You know, what comes up for me, Dennis, like on a daily basis in my life that I feel kind of impelled to share is just like, and the words that come to mind are just how deeply held we are, how watched over, how the things that concern us, the universe, 
infinite mind cares about as well. And to really just try to feel in to that, that care that's here for us and like, let that support you, let that lift you, let that guide you, you know, allow every day I ask to have a deeper awareness of this love here for me, this care, this concern. So just to share that, Dennis, that there's more here than we see and that we have access to it through our body as you started with in the beginning and to really encourage listeners to, to feel for that in their own body. And thank you for this time, Dennis. No, I enjoyed it. Thanks. That's a great message as well at the end. Yeah, thanks for talking about Chiron and, and uh, psychoastrology and yeah. having our conversations. It was great to know, get to know you a bit more, Lisa. Thank you. Same here, Dennis. Thanks again. So until next time, have fun and enjoy the process.